Welcome back to another episode of Backward Point. My name is Nazar Sayyad, and with me, as always, is my brother and co-host, Bashar Sayyad. Today is a special episode because we're doing a Q&A. These are the questions we have ramped up uh, from our Patreon subscribers, from our subscribers on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it. Every social media platform that we, can, uh, we are on, we basically ask people what they wanted to ask us, and we're going to be answering those questions. Uh, before that, just wanted to quickly shout out our Patreon and our patrons on Patreon. If you guys want to be a part of that community, links below. We are 100% taking all of the Patreon questions from our patrons. And that's just, you know, one way to ensure that your question gets on Patreon. Um, sorry, on our Q&A podcast. I'm going to give it away to Bashar. Bashar, what is our first question? What do we have on in uh, the agenda today? Yeah, just to, so uh, I can give some context, this is going to be a World Cup edition of the Q&A. Uh, so the first question uh, is from our patron, Shazy. Uh, even though it's not a World Cup question, because he's a patron, we're still going to include it. The Pretty question sure is Shazzy, but okay. Shazzy also. So Shazzy asks us, right now we have Fakhar Zaman and Imam as openers in the ODI format. Abdullah Shafiq is next in line. When do we bring in Saima Yoop? Because he does look like a class act. If we keep delaying players like this, won't we have another Miss Ball Huck? Very good question. Uh, I, think, I believe Mizbah was 28 when he debuted. I think Mizbah came on on the scene early. He debuted and then he got dropped. And then he came back. So by the time he was like a, a settled batsman in the Pakistan team, he was in his 30s. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to happen to Simon. But I think if anything, we've sort of learned our lessons from all the Mizbahs and the Iftikhars that we've played. Um, if anything, we're doing the opposite where we're kind of letting players come in a little bit too early, a little bit too underpolished. And we're putting them straight into the deep end with international cricket. And the biggest example is Abdullah Shafiq. Abdullah Shafiq comes in, plays a few games, gets dropped. And then next time he's appearing, it's in a knockout game against Sri Lanka in the Asia Cup. Similarly, uh, to our friend Mohamed Haris, friend of the podcast, same thing. He debuts in a T20 World Cup knockout game, potentially against South Africa. He does really good. But if he hadn't, he'd be a no-name. So... We're kind of having the opposite effects with Saeem Ayub, especially. I think we'll, we'll be seeing Saeem Ayub in the 2024 World Cup, 100%. Um, there's no way that that's not happening. He's in the plans. He's in the agenda. He's also friends with Babar Azam. And if you believe in the friendship 11 theory, that kind of adds up, right? Because, you know, he opens with uh, uh, Babar in Peshawar. He plays with Babar in the national squad, looks up to Babar. I think you'll see him soon. Also, he's been given the central contract in the category D. So he definitely seems to uh, be in the plans for the Pakistan team. Uh, he's already played T20s. I think um, he has decent list A stats. My future vision of the Pakistan opening uh, pair is Abdullah Shafiq and Saeem Ayub. So whenever Fakhar and Imam's time is up, uh, whenever they've said goodbye to this format, I would love to see Saeem and Abdullah open together. I think that would be a very exciting opening pair because they're both young, they're both flamboyant. Uh, technically very sound. So I, I would love to see more of Saim, more of Abdullah um, in the Pakistan team. So good question, Shazi. The next question is from Kawish. Um, how impactful was GT20 for Canada? And are Canadians without a Pakistani Indian background interested in cricket now? I mean, our experiences say that they aren't. And I don't think uh, the cricket board in Canada is really pushing cricket to non um diaspora non-expats non-immigrants it's hard to get a new sport in especially a sport that's as complicated as cricket is 
just three formats, just so many rules. Uh, we had this conversation recently with one of our friends that it's easier to introduce a sport like soccer slash football uh, to new people where it's just two nets and a ball and you can't touch it, right, with your hands. That's easier to explain than no balls, free hits, uh, wide balls, your, like all the different positions that they play on. Um, I think uh, the mental capacity for baseball is like as far as people go. But I would love to see that. I think it'll get more interesting as the, as the years go on, as the expats, first first generation immigrants, uh, settle in and have kids, and that become they, the second generation becomes you know uh, locals. Then they you know they can. It's easier to sort of transmit the game among your friends than it is to sort of introduce them uh, brand new willy nilly. So I hope it happens. I just don't think it's going to happen in our generation. Yeah, I think they are trying to integrate cricket into the mainstream now. I saw. They had a Blue Jays cricket day. Uh, the, the Blue Jays is uh, Toronto's uh, baseball team. So they had a cricket day where they had Chris Gill come in to to have a few uh, play a few pitches. Um, so the Canadian team was there. So and they gave a free shirts to everybody. Um, and also the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, Network, company um, also uh, broadcasted all the games of the DT20. They also had um, the playoffs play in the main prime time. A new space for CBC. So I think cricket's still up and coming. It's still growing. Uh, but I think until like actual Canadians get involved in the sport, we'll sort of be at a cap where the sport doesn't go grow beyond, beyond immigrants. And unless what happened with basketball was uh, the Raptors, when they won the 2019 championship, the NBA chip, there was sudden interest among locals, non-initiated uh, you know, people into basketball one of us included um so when if if canadians are able to win a t20 world cup if they're able to get into the semifinals finals that would definitely spark interest from the non-interested fans like you know the uh, the seasonal fans or whatever they definitely take interest because then it becomes a national thing yep a good good take i think uh, the next question from shahriar is what is one match you will never watch the highlights of again Oh, that's a really good question um, because I actually broke that rule just like yesterday. Um, it's the 2011 um, World Cup semifinal in Mohali. I would never watch that again. That's what I said to myself. But I feel like I've, I've matured. It's been over 10 years. And I found myself watching it yesterday, the whole highlights, everything. Because I, I had honestly forgotten exactly what had happened. And um, yeah, just, just tough. Tough one to watch. For me, it has to be the 2010 semifinal against Australia, where uh, Sayajwan got smacked for, I think, four sixes in the last over while defending against uh, Mike Hussey. He needed 20 in the last over, or 19 in the last over. Yes, around that, that score. And um, he hit the six, and there was a boundary on point, and then he had a couple more sixes. Um, just traumatizing, because that was the Pakistan team in that World Cup. They were, they had momentum. They were in form. Um, and it was just really hard to beat them. We had an inform. Amir was playing. Kamar Akma was in form. Umar Akma was in form. Shahid Afridi as always. Shahid Afridi leading the team from the front. Uh, and just to lose it from there. I think, you know, I, I, that was repeated by uh, Matthew Wade in the last uh, uh, T20 World Cup. 2021. 21. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a match I like to forget as if it never happened from my memory. You haven't seen the highlights since it's happened? I've seen moments here and there, but not like actual proper highlights because uh, it was just traumatizing. I don't want to think about it too much. Yeah, I think I think I'm over that. 
the next question is from Instagram. A uh, question from Saad Pasha. And this is a very relevant question for uh, what's happened today, what's happening right now in the Pakistan batting squad. Fakhar Zaman or Abdullah Shafiq? Who should be the first choice opener along with Imam and why? And I'm just going to couple this with a question from Twitter. Usman Amjad, my university friend, um, does no Fakhar Zaman today in the warm-up match against New Zealand imply that Abdullah Shafiq is the first choice? So answer the first part where Fakhar or Abdullah with Imam and then what happened today? Uh, a short answer is Fakhar with Imam. And what happened today is uh, basically they were trying to... Pakistan doesn't really, hasn't really had the opportunity, or I shouldn't say that. Pakistan didn't test out their bench as well as India or the other teams have. Like India and Australia just played a whole series where their B teams, Spencer Johnson debuted, like, you know, shout outs to our guy from GT20. Like that, they had that opportunity. Pakistan also had that opportunity to do that against Afghanistan, but they chose to play a settled 11, which they didn't change. And they won the series 3-0. But then the when they came out... They did change it. Sorry to cut you off. They changed it in the last ODI where Fahim came in, where Wasim Jr. came in. But they sort of ensured that they won the series. Don't know why. It doesn't really make sense to win. It doesn't have much value of winning a series against Afghanistan before a World Cup. I'll tell you why it's important. It's, I think the thought process is basically um, Babur and Ko were like, A, momentum is important. B, the habit of winning is important. You need to be in the habit of winning to make sure that you keep on keep on doing that. So the 3-0 against uh, Afghanistan, that's what the thought process was. Probably if you bank the series and then you get an opportunity to sort of shift people around. But that came at a cost of not testing your bench strength. Exactly. That's what I was coming to. So th- that's why I think this first uh, review, the first um, warm-up game against uh, New Zealand was just a review of what the bench strength was. They were trying to put the bench strength under pressure, trying to see who they can test, who they can play. And honestly, uh, I know we're talking about Fakhar, but Saud came out as a great, great middle order person that wasn't really tested around, along the way. Um, they had a lot of pluses. Rizan came back into form. Babur's AD was really good. Very important AD. Um, and they wanted to see what ABD would do with Imam. I mean, both of them didn't really gel. I, I don't know if gelling is the right word, but they didn't really get going, either of them. So the experiment kind of fails and crumbles there because you don't really get runs from ABD. You don't get really runs from Imam. So what did you really, you know, the okay, the middle order performed really well. That's that's always good. But I think uh, in the next warm-up match, you'll see Fakhar come back on the top and you'll see probably him, him scoring runs because him scoring runs is pertinent. We've talked about this before. Uh, Imam and ABD are very similar type of players. They both take time to get going. They'll take 20 balls, score 7, 8, 10, 12 runs off of them to make sure that they're steady. And then you'll see the next 20 have they'll probably go run a ball and then next 20 they'll go 120 150 so short answer fucker and imam are probably going to be your steady openers until fucker completely bombs against india if that happens then you'll see him drop yeah i'm totally on board with you here uh, i think a fucker zaman uh, in the world cup squad up top is something that we desperately need just because yeah it's a different flavor to pakistan's top order um like you mentioned abdullah and imam are sort of the same kind of player they're i would say they're anchors uh, and Fakhar Zaman, when he is in form, he can sort of compensate for Imam being slow. Um, but just to counter what you said about how they gave a chance to Abdullah today uh, to open with Imam, get in form, I think when Imam got out early today, they should have said Fakhar Zaman just so he could gain some form back. Like I think two warm-up matches before the World Cup, I said this in the last episode where 
if they had given Fakhar Zaman an opportunity for both these matches, there would have been an opportunity for him to come back into form and and inform Fakhar Zaman is a very dangerous Fakhar Zaman. Um, so I think Pakistan really missed the trick um, by not giving Fakhar Zaman a chance today. But yeah, I'm on board with you, Fakhar Zaman with the Mamul Haq. And if I, I would give Fakhar Zaman three matches up until the India match, if he flops against India, then I might bring in Abdullah back into the squad uh, and just persist with Abdullah with Imam uh, until the end of the World Cup. My prediction is that you're going to see a beginning from Imam in the next three games. So either the warm-up matches or against the Netherlands and India or both. I think Fakhar is finding his stride and it's about time. Yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, from uh, Jaral underscore Umer. Is there a sports psychologist with the Pakistan team? Because at the World Cup stage, it is about mental strength. So if I just take the lead on this one, I do believe there is a sports psychologist. Um, and I think they travel with the team. Um, I've heard interviews of players talking about how the psychologist, like they've spoken to the psychologist, really helps them collect their thoughts, calm their mind. And when you get to the international stage, it is a lot a mental game. Ultimately, it is the same ball. It is the same ground. Uh, but the pressures are just uh, monumental, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I read uh, Wasim Akram's book where he talks a lot about how his ex, late ex-wife um, was a psychologist and she sort of gave him tools to become a better player, sort of, again, calm his mind. Visualization is something that uh, she taught him, which really helped him because he would you know, visualize what he's going to do the next day, the next morning, how he's going to get that batsman out or you know, hit that bats bowler for a boundary. Um, and we also heard Mohamed Harris in the podcast for us talk about how when he's playing these big matches, he sort of imagines that he's in a bubble, that he's playing um, a club match in Peshawar and not playing against Rabada, Norkia at the Sydney Cricket Ground in the World Cup. So I definitely think a psychologist is important and it's good to know from what I heard from the reports that I've seen that there is a traveling psychologist with the Pakistan team. Yeah, at this stage of the game, it's not that you don't, la- you don't have the skills or you lack the skills to be a great performer. It's basically, do you have the wit? Do you have the mental strength to challenge yourself every single day when the chips are down? You know, when the pressure is up, when there's 100,000 people screaming the opponent's name in favor. Can you come out and basically hold your own? And in for situations like that, that's where you make legends. Um, so yeah, psychologist, I'm all in favor. There should be one if there isn't. The next question uh, from someone, sort of a continuation of the last question. India versus Pakistan. Who is going to be more under pressure playing in Ahmedabad? I think there will be pressures round, roundabout, everywhere. Uh, but I don't think that uh, the pressures will be either or. I think that it'll be sort of divided between the two. Uh, there are different pressures for different teams. The host team has pressures because they're playing at home, 100,000 people watching. They're going to feel it. It's not an IPL game. It's not an IPL final. It's not a knockout game in one of those league stages in the Ranji Trophy. This is the big deal. This is as big as a final, as big as a knockout that they get. Opposing Pakistan, Pakistan just are, this is the first time they've been in India ever, like this team, the, this group of people. Aside from Nawaz and Salman Agha. Yeah, but that doesn't really count because did he play the Lahore Lions game? Salman Agha, yes. Yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. That doesn't really count. Like, I don't, I don't know if that counts. And um, so like, these are the first time that these people are going to be gelling together, playing together. So their pressures would be just to hold their own, like I said in the previous question. They just want to hold their own. They want to make sure that they don't get embarrassed. And at the same time, they're sort of dominating the game as well. So those are two very different mindsets that are supposed to be tackling. So it's going to be pressures for both of them, but different sets of them. 
I think there's going to be more pressure on India just because they are the host team. There's a automatic expectation for the hosts to just win because it's happening in India. Uh, and I think on the other hand, Pakistan doesn't really have much to lose. Like Pakistan on paper right now, if you put the two teams together, I would have my money on India to win the match. Um, but I think when it comes to that, that situation where Pakistan doesn't have much to lose, Pakistan then comes out to play fearless cricket. And um, I think we'll see a good match against India. Um, I'm looking forward to how the pitch behaves. But just overall, more pressure on India, more to lose for them, uh, more broadcast rights, more advertisements, more brands uh, who are really banking on uh, India, not to just beat Pakistan, but to thrash them. Uh, we've seen the Maka Maka advertisements from Star Sports come back. This one, this year's was really like dumb. I don't, I don't like it at all. Yeah, it's almost like they have no more new ideas or just that one idea sells so much that they have to bring it back for every single World Cup. Um, Okay, next question is from Amin underscore Ibrahim K07. What did you think of the Cricket World Cup anthem? Pretty bad. <laughs> Not like, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of these anthems are ever really good. Like, I, they're never in my rotation to watch. Um, Bro, 2015 was hype. 2015, 2015 was, was really good. 2019 was really good as 2011 well. 2011 was, I remember we were like, I was in uh, grade six or seven and like that anthem was like, wow, man. This yeah, is but good. Do, you, do you go back and listen to it on Spotify? Ever. No, not really. But I don't think That's I, what I'm I seeing. do that for any anthem. It's just like in the moment, it sounds good. But this anthem. What was, which one was the 2011 one? The Dekumake. Oh, yeah. That one was really that was good. That was a good actually. one. Yeah, now that I think about it. I mean, they're all okay. They're never really on my Spotify rotation. I've given this a shout out on our Backward Point Twitter channel before, and I'm going to give it again. Uh, call uh, <clears throat> the band. Uh, horrible name for a band, by the way. Call. But anyways. One of the greatest bands that come out of Pakistan. That's my opinion. They had a song called Hum Se Hai Zamana, which I think stands the test of time. I, that is one song that I do listen on rotation. It's a brilliant song. Always gets me pumped up. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, this year's anthem, I'm not into it. The only thing that annoys me more than the anthem is Ranveer Singh. He's everywhere. You remember the Asia Cup? He was like in the third umpire thingy doing that. And you had to see his face every time. It, Imagine like if it's your team and you get out and first you got to see Ranveer Singh's face, zoom into the out. Like that's just <laughs> insult to injury for me. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm done with this overexposed Ranveer Singh thing that India is doing. So what about you? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm on the same boat sort of like I didn't really enjoy it at first. People did mention that this might grow on you eventually, but uh, sure. it's, it's been a few weeks. It has not grown on me yet. Uh, I watched, I listened to the song again during the highlights or the end portion, the end montage of the warm-up match today, uh, but still has not really grown on me yet. Maybe it will in the next coming few weeks when it, we hear it playing uh, in the World Cup matches. It is a six-week-long tournament. So I don't know, maybe our opinions change, but just as of now, not yet. Yeah. What I am looking forward to is the the Pepsi song for um, for the Pakistan team, which will drop very soon. Yeah, a little birdie told me that it's uh, probably Young Stunners doing it. Yes. So we can either confirm nor deny, but I'm pretty sure I'm confirming it for you guys. Dropping soon, guys. Uh, the next question. So uh, this question was asked by 11 underscore Majid, but other people also asked the same question. So it was a very common question that kept coming up. The question is, Imad Vaseem versus Muhammad Nawaz, did Pakistan miss out on a better, more effective alternative? So, I mean, if I just take the lead on this one, if you don't mind, I would say- Are you say, in one of your Microsoft team meetings? Let me just take a lead on this one, guys. Um, I will circle back to you in a second. Um, Let's synergize soon. I'm, I'm put gonna, a pin on this. 
This okay. corporate Bashar, I want to throw up. Uh, just so, so Imad Vaseem, right? Um, one of the main problems with the Pakistan team is the inability to take wickets in the middle over. And we've been critical about Mohamed Nawaz and Chadab Khan not being able to do that. I don't see how Imad Vaseem coming into the team resolves that issue. He averages less than one wicket per match. Um, his bowling average is 44. His bowling economy is 4.8. So at best, Imad Vaseem, the bowler, is a stock bowler and uh, maybe is more effective with the new ball. I don't know if I would trust him with the new ball. I, As a medium pacer myself, I love to see fast bowlers extract as much swing as there is on offer. The only option or the only scenario that I would have maybe liked to see Babar Azam explore is playing Imad, Nawaz, Shadab in the same 11. And how that happens is if you played Nawaz, sorry, Imad Vaseem at number six, so Imad would sort of play as a batting all-rounder. Nawaz would uh, come in at uh, eight and Shadab would come in at seven and Nawaz would play as a bowling all-rounder. So that would be the only scenario where I would see Imad and Nawaz play together. I don't think one is better than the other because I think Nawaz's bowling is better than Imad. Imad's batting is more clutch. He's a, maybe a better big match performer. But yeah, I think, I, I think it's just a bit too late to even have in the discussion. But maybe, yes, I would have loved to see the, 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 the combination, the possible combination with both of them in the same 11. I'm not an Imad Masim stand, so I would say no. I think I would, I would choose Nawaz over Imam. Just over, he's, Nawaz has played a couple of finals already. Nawaz has played uh, crucial roles against India. He holds his own. He has a really strong 40-49 or something like that against India as well in the Asia Cup. So I would choose Nawaz. He's been in the system. He's been in the process. And he's been in the plans for a very long time. I wouldn't mess it up. Next question from Aleem underscore Bash 2. Do players get told that they are picked before we know? Or do they anticipate it like us? So, uh, if I may say, I think players do know before. Uh, I heard Imam Al-Haq talk on uh, Daniel Sheikh's podcast where he said that... Great podcast, by the way. There's this, there's this guy in the PCB who asks for your passport when you are in the plans. So, I'm guessing for this World Cup... The guys who are in the team, their passports would have went to the PCB to that guy who would have applied for visas. Applied for visas. Yes, exactly. So uh, uh, the players do know beforehand. I've also seen a video recently where Muhammad um, Wasim, who was the ex-selector, was calling Azam Khan for his first ever call-up. So I do think that the selectors called the players and informed them beforehand. So it's not like a surprise for them. Like it used to be back in the day. Like we heard players of the 90s talk about how they only found out in the newspaper the next day. Yeah, that they were selected. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, players know way before us. We, we should be, we, it should be like this and we should be the last people to know. I don't want to know before the players. I think that's just weird. Yeah. Uh, the next question is from Yazer. Uh, and this is also a question that came in. It appeared multiple times. A very common question asked by a lot of people. And the question is, what are your thoughts on Hassan Ali? Is he the best new ball bowler slash replacement of Naseem Shah? And do you think he can deliver? I mean, judging by today's game, I think yes. That's, he's not a ball-for-ball ball replacement for Nassim Shah, but he's the next best thing we've got. Like, he's better than Nassim Jr. That was, again, proven today by today's performance in the, against the New Zealand uh, warm-up game. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for the Hassan Ali re- renaissance, the, the redemption. redemption arc, whatever people are calling it online. I'm all for it. I think Hassan Ali is an asset. He was injured he was unlucky he was unfortunate but we keep we got to keep remembering 
People have been calling for Amir, who was the best bowler in the final in the Champions Trophy 2017, but we keep forgetting who the player of the tournament was, which was Hassan Ali. This guy has shown up for Pakistan in big matches against India in the World Cup. In 2019, he was really good as well. And, like, you know, he just a couple of bad games, bad injuries will put you aside. But today, he impressed me. He took a first ball wicket. He was economical. I think with him, Shaheen, and Haris, you can't go wrong. If I counter that, I would say that uh, Hassan Ali in the Champions Trophy, yes, he was our best baller, the main wicket taker. And Nasir Hussain said, if you need a wicket, you go to Hassan Ali. But in that uh, Champions Trophy, he was bowling first change. The responsibilities we're giving Hassan Ali in this World Cup is to ball with the new ball. And from what I saw to him, uh, him bowling today against New Zealand, I feel like his lengths were, like he was bowling a bit too wide. Um, and he was getting some swing up front. The wicket he got wasn't his best ball against Devin Conway. Um, but I think he has been recovering from a finger injury. He fingered, he injured his uh, left, middle finger of his left fing- left hand. Yeah, we saw that in the podcast. In the podcast. The shake again. Great podcast again. So um, he's been recovering. So I think he's just a bit rusty. And I think in the coming games leading up to the World Cup, the first game against Netherlands, we might see Hassan Ali back at his prime best. And I think Hassan Ali is the bowling at his best when he's bowling the top of off stump. Just that nagging length on the fourth stump line to swing it away, nick it off, or nip it back and get the batsman bold. Um, but there also could be a scenario, and I think this is a good scenario, where we might see Shaheen Afridi and Harris Rove balling with the new ball. I've seen Harris ball with the new ball. He he has a good wrist position, a good wrist or a good balling action to ball out swing to a righty and in swing to a left hand batsman. Um, Harris Rove does? Harris Rove. I just think with a bit more practice, uh, more work in the nets with more Newmarkle or some more match practice, there is one more round of match to go. We might see a more improved Harris Rove. You're also forgetting he is coming back from a side strain. So he, again, like Hassan Ali, a bit rusty and looking to find some more form. I disagree with you. I don't think Harris Rove is the call for a new ball. I think you, should, you go with Shahin and Harris. So you go with Shahin and Hassan Ali. And you give Harris the first change. That's him at his best. You don't, you don't want him to come in the front. Only because he's not the best bowler with his line. He does skew a little bit. And if you give anyone a little bit of width, in the first 15 overs where the field is compact, everyone's inside, one touch, gone for four. Like he went for 436 or 38 today in four overs. And it was just only because his lines were just a little bit skewed. And that was giving enough time for Williamson, who's actually coming back from injury. To just punch him, place him. That's all you need to do with him. Because as soon as it's hitting the bat, middle of the bat and it's going into a gap, it's going for four. Nobody's stopping that. So in order to protect yourself from that, first change is probably better. The ball is a little bit older. The players, hopefully Shaheen or Hustin gets somebody out in the front. So they're playing a bit more defensive. As soon as a player is set and Hassan Ali, uh, sorry, as soon as a player is set, hardest roof just becomes a delight to play. Um, if it's not swinging and if it's just your pace, 149, 152. You just got to middle it. You got to time it. And it's running away to the boundary. It's sort of like the Shrey Bakhtar syndrome. Except Shrey Bakhtar, I believe, was a little bit more smarter. Uh, he used to bowl it up front, full. He's like, come drive me. I want you to hit me. And he would either nick off. You know, he would have deep slip fielders as well. So I haven't seen that from Haris Roof yet. Uh, I would love to see that. But in my opinion right now, you go with Shaheen and Hassan as uh, your new bowlers. And Haris first change. Because that that's... Haris is one of your best bowlers and you give him the best chances to get a wicket when you give him the first change. Nice one. Okay. 
Uh, the next question is from Ali. Uh, the question is, do you think Abrar Ahmed should have been in the main squad instead of being in the reserves? So I think Abrar Ahmed should have been in the squad, but this should have been planned one or two years ago. Like when we had initially saw that Abrar Ahmed has performed very well, I would say exceptionally well with the red ball. He has the most wickets for a Pakistani baller after, I believe, eight test matches. That's a different story that he did not get a uh, central contract. Um, Respect your test match players, PCB. That's just, uh, I had to add that because Abrar Ahmed's name did come up. Very shocking to see that he did not get a a central contract. Um, Yeah, so I think Abrar Ahmed should have been in the plans a year ago. And um, I, I don't see why they pursued with Osama Mir because if you already have Shadab Khan, who is also your vice captain in the team, how does Shadab and Osama Mir play together? I, I don't agree with playing two leg spinners in the same team. You just lack some variety. Abrar Ahmed is sort of a mystery bowler. He has a googly. He has um, a very deceptive bowling action. He varies his pace. So I think the answer is yes, he should have been in the squad but not right now. It should have been part of the plans way ahead of time. Um, and putting him in now is sort of, I would say, media pressure. And also, uh, like, I, I think it's unfair to Abrar to sort of throw him in the deep end of a ICC ODI World Cup. Um, it's not fair to him. Yeah, I think if you, I actually respect Barbara's decision for not having Abrar in the squad, even though I, if I was him, I'd be tempted to put him in the fifteen. It's only because of the stuff that you said. He's unpolished. Um, we, he wasn't in the plans before. We shouldn't have taken him in like that. And if we do, we sort of put him on pressure and we ask him to do way more than he's capable of. And if he doesn't perform, we sort of let him go forever. So I'm glad that he wasn't in, in the squad. So I'm going to pass the word to you for the next question. So question number nine. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know this was happening. Yeah. Uh, question number nine from Iman Khan. Interesting name. Is this Zaman Khan's burner account? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Iman. Uh, do you think Zaman Khan should have been selected ahead of Wasim as he bowls better in the death and under pressure? I know you have opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, Wasim continues to disappoint, doesn't he? Like, who is he impressing? I mean, I was actually shocked when I went over and I saw his numbers because I was like, I was so pissed off at the performance today in the warm-up game that I went over to Quick Info and I was checking his stats. And shockingly, he has decent stats. So I'm like, when was the last time I remember Vasim actually showing up? I cannot. His four for in uh, T20s, I believe, is against Netherlands. And his four for against, in ODI is also against Netherlands. So, okay, he has decent stats, away conditions. But the last four games, has he done anything? Like, I'm genuinely, genuinely asking this question. I'm not trying to diss on Vasim, But he's not, he's, he seems always aloof when he's fielding. He missed another sitter today when he was uh, fielding on third man. Just completely let it go for four. He's done this a few times. And I hate it when he missed field and he comes up smiling. Pisses me off. Um, yeah, I would have gone Surfraz over Vasim. Oh, sorry. I would have gone Zaman over Vasim. Hands down. That There's just no way that there, I'm going anywhere else. I think just uh, look trying to look at things from Barbara Azam's uh, perspective uh, is that I think he was looking at Vasim Jr. because he adds a bit of um, depth with the bat. He is. He does call himself as an all-rounder. I am yet to see any good performance from him in the bat. I think he has a forty in test matches. He has only test, I believe. Um, but he just like the, basically not, bottled the game against Zimbabwe in the T Twenty World he Cup. Did. He played two minute dot balls in the second last over. Uh, just couldn't even get bat on ball. He did score a boundary in the last over, but uh, things were just too late. The game had gotten way too close than it should have been. Yeah. So 
I mean, I don't see. He should have been dropped right after that. Yeah. If I'm being honest, you pursue with somebody else. At that point, you probably go to an Amr Jamal and try to groom him for the World Cup. But I don't know. He's going for Wasim. Wasim just seems like a typical stock baller. Okay, he bowls 140, but he's like one of the guys on Twitter said he's like a Nets bowler. Like you get him in the Nets, to like hit at one position so that a batsman can get sort of ready to face other bowlers. That's who I think he is. Like I've yet to see a performance from him. I, I hope I'm wrong though. I think he's more effective when the ball is reversing in the end. And one um, I, I plus point of Wasim is that he is a gun fielder, but like you mentioned, he's not fielding at his best either. So yeah, lots to think about. Just speaking in terms of fast bowling out honors, I would love to see an Amr Jamal or an Amr Yamin get the same amount of equal opportunities as Fahim Ashraf, as Wasim Jr. Um, because at least we'll, we can end the debate as to who is better and who is not. Because it seems like every time Fahim plays, Wasim looks better. Every time Wasim plays, Fahim looks better. So we're in this conundrum where we just can't uh, figure out who is actually the better uh, option for Pakistan. Um, I think as that always happens in World Cups, after World Cup cycle ends, you'll see new players come in, new management come in, sometimes new captains come in. So I'm very, very sure that after the 2023 World Cup, we're going to see new players come in. And it's going to be a whole new cycle for the next World Cup, especially for the T20 World Cup. I believe it'll be, I will be remiss to see these same players, at least these Basims, the Fahims of your, of your squads be back. I'd be very shocked. I think I would disagree with that just because uh, of two things. So the first thing is, last episode, we talked about players coming at the end of their career. We talked about Rohit Sharma. We talked about Chalky Bulhassan, Ben Stokes. Notice how we never spoke of any Pakistani player on that list. Because the oldest Pakistani player in this team right now is Fakhar Zaman, who is 33. So he's also super fit. So if you consider Fakhar comes back into form, performs again, he could play the next ODI World Cup. Also, if you look at the, the central contract, Pakistan Cricket Board gave the contract to 25 players. If you look at that list, Wasim is part of that list. Fahim is part of that list. So it goes to show that these players are part of Babar Azam's plan for the next one year at least. Uh, so I, I doubt there's going to be any drastic changes to uh, the team post-World Cup. Um, are these central contracts given once a year? Yes. So this is the time that they're given? Yes. I mean, players play without central contracts all the time. That's not an, a new thought process altogether. Well, they do, but sort of a central contract means that you're investing into these players. For, yeah, but we don't, we don't really know who we want to invest in right now because we haven't really gone back to the drawing board. So I would, I would be surprised if I don't see SIMAU back in the 25, uh, abroad in the 25, uh, Amir Jamal, you know, those types of players that we've been eyeing for a very long time. Saim is in the 25. I think Asin Iqbal is also one of those players that people have been talking about. Arshad Iqbal. Arshad Iqbal, my bad. So yeah, I would love to, I'm pretty sure that the 2024 central contracts are going to look vastly different than this one. Yep. Next question. So the next question is from Maz Ismail. Isn't Safraz Ahmed a better choice than Haris as a backup keeper? Safraz's recent form is better and he plays spin well. I don't get this Safraz Ahmed re- renaissance recovery question and answers that I've been seeing online. It doesn't make any sense. He's 36. It's over. It's not happening. He's not Dhoni. Like, I think uh, I love Safi myself. Like, I don't want to sound like a hater. And I'm also from Karachi, so there's definitely always, since like the 1970s, there's a Karachi lobby uh, trying to promote Karachi players just for the sake of them being Karachi players. And I'm not in favor of that. Like, I love my Miyadads, I love my Moin Khans, but until you get a Miyadad and a Moin Khan, you can't, you can't just keep doing that. And I love Safi as well. Safi gave you the only champion's trophy you have. Safi gave you an ICC event 
trophy after like what it almost feels like eight years. Yeah, eight years. It almost feels like twenty to be honest. Because the because the two thousand nine to two thousand seventeen journeys has been crazy. But I respect him for so and he's a great test player. I would love to see him back in the test, especially at home home series. But you you there's no way he's going into the ODI squad. There's that's not happening. If I just uh, counter that, if I say that as a like a genuine backup wicketkeeper who can replace Rizwan at number four, because right now Mohammad Haris is in the reserves, and the only way he comes into the team is if Rizwan gets injured and we need a backup wicketkeeper, or if you want to replace a batsman with Mohammad Haris. That's the only way he comes into the team. So just speaking from that, uh, like if, if Rizwan, God forbid, does get injured. I would have probably loved to see Sir Faraz at number four because he's also a really good player of spin. Um, he has the experiences of two World Cups, uh, big ICC events, uh, plays the sweep shot pretty well, dominates spin ballers. Just in that context, I would have loved to see Sir Faraz. But again, I just I don't think Sir Faraz has played an ODI in the last two years. The last ODI he played was against South Africa. In South Africa, he, him and Rizwan played together. Um, and like just post that series, Sir Faraz has not been part of Pakistan's white ball plans. Um, so that's why we we're seeing Mohamed Haris in the team. Yeah, and why he isn't in the plans, that's a that's an answer for Babar Azam and Co., not for us, if I'm being honest. I I am actually kind of in favor of Sir Faraz not being in the white ball plans. Like I don't think I, I think your future looking with Mohamed Haris. He's 21, 22 years old. He's, yeah. he's a young player. He's he plays aggressive cricket. He plays fearless cricket. He plays a brand of cricket that Pakistanis are not generally known for. You know, he, there is a higher risk of him failing in matches, but that just comes with players like Mohamed Haris who play that brand of cricket. And he, I'm I'm gonna be not gonna be the first one to predict this, but I believe in six to six to eight years, Mohamed Haris might be a future captain. You heard it here first. Yeah, even if it's T20 or ODIs, I see that happening. Um, so let's go to the next question. Question number 11 is from Yusuf Ali. How would Babar Azam do in the World Cup as a batsman? If you don't mind. Phenomenally. Uh, Yusuf, he's going to do really good. I would be surprised if he doesn't score 500 runs in this tournament. I'd be very surprised. He scored this, 474 in the last tournament. In 2019 in England. He outscored Virat Kohli. Putting it out there. I'm just saying. And that was, a, that was 2019. VK was like scary. So... I'd be very surprised if he doesn't do 500 in this uh, uh, tournament. I, I suspect I'm predicting a couple hundreds as well, maybe 300s. I don't know what Pakistan's going to do. We predicted top four. I'm still going to stick to it. But there's, there might be an upset. Pakistan might get knocked out. I don't know. But what, I'm fa- what I am emphatic about is that Bob Razan will score 500 plus runs at least two to three centuries. I see that happening no matter what. And yeah, especially with pitches that I've seen in Hyderabad. Like, I'd be surprised if Fox, if he doesn't score a century against either Netherlands or Sri Lanka in the next couple of games. Bro, flat pitches, quick outfield, small boundaries, runs galore, right? 350, 360. I talked about the last podcast that uh, my assessment of the Indian pitches is that 350 will be scored and will be chased as what happened today in the Rombo match. So just coming back to Babar Azam, I think he's going to have a stellar World Cup. As Gautam Gambir said, he's, Babar Azam is going to light this World Cup up. And um, we're going to see a different kind of Bob Rossum turnout because these pitches will suit him. He's going to enjoy playing in these conditions. Um, and uh, just my expectation from Bob is because I put him in a very high pedestal, I expect him not just to score runs, but to score match-winning runs. 
that really help Pakistan win matches. I want him to finish matches while chasing and stay not out, score the winning runs, um, because that's just the class of uh, the true potential of Bob Razum is. Yeah, I want him to score fat centuries. I don't want 100 and out. I want 150, 170. Not out. Not out. Yeah, hold your bat. Come back uh, as, a, as a champion. So yeah, low-key, it's going to be big. It should be big for Baba Razum. No, no other way it can be uh, accepted. Uh, the other question we have is from Abdullah, and his question is one word, Amir. And I'll give him a one word answer. No. Thank you, Abdullah, for such a detailed question. We appreciate all the effort you've put in. Uh, just a very short, quick answer. Guys, right now, Muhammad Amir is not available for selection. He is retired. He has preferred to play uh, T20 leagues all over the world. So even if Inzimam Luck won or two, he can't pick Muhammad Amr. Um, and just on top of that, the last ODI match, the last 50-over match that Muhammad Amr played in his career was in 2019. So it's been four years. Um, he has not played any ODI match. And I don't know since when is a CPL, a BPL, a T10, uh, the criteria to make a comeback into the Pakistan ODI team. Um, I just think people have a lot of nostalgic memories uh, with Mohammed Amr and I respect that but just I don't think it's the time I think the time actually has gone past um, let's look into the future let's let's reinvest into bowlers like Zaman Dahani Hasnain when he comes back from injury uh, and move on from a Mohammed Amr yeah like I said no that's it um, this is the last question from Instagram it's from s.ub10 uh, who will be the rising star of the tournament Go ahead. Oh, uh, Go ahead. I think it's going to be, it's a simple answer for me. I think uh, the way that I look at it, I think Shubman Gill yep. is going to be uh, the man who really lights up the tournament uh, with the bat. Uh, probably will end up as one of the top five run scorers. Will score match winning hundreds. Might even score a double hundred. Who knows? Uh, but he is just that kind of a player. And it's scary to think what he might achieve in the next 10 years of playing for India. And I mean, you realize how good Shubman Gill is when you see that he's replaced Shukar Dhawan, who was one of the most prolific run scorers um, for India, and especially in ICC tournaments. So the fact that Rohit Sharma and, and, and management have backed up Shubman Gill to be the main opener for India just shows that he is a real deal. I've made a whole uh, reel on this, that he, he's the next best thing in world cricket. 100%. Yeah, my answer was the same. Shubman Gill is going to be the one that's going to be the rising star. You just pulled up uh, a surprise name other than Rod Kuldi. What did I say? The, in the 2019 World Cup where someone asked a question to Rod Kuldi, he gave like a two-minute answer and Zarvaz is like, my answer is all the same. <laughs> my answer is also the same, bro. That it is. It's Shubman Gill. Like, it's, it's definitely him. He's been the most promising cricketer for the past 12 months and before actually as well. And he's come onto the scene with a bang and I think he's going to, as you're to say, I, it might, this World Cup might be the passing of the mantle, passing of the torch from VK to Shubman Gill. I, I predict that. I think it's very likely that's going to happen. Okay, questions from uh, Twitter. We have a question from Ramiz Hassan, and he asks, who do you think will be the MVP for Pakistan in the World Cup? MVP for Pakistan has to be Babar Azam. Simple answer is that. Uh, my next MVP is going to be the Fakhar Zaman or Shadab Khan, and my third one is probably going to be Shaheen. I mean, that's not, not a, this is a no-brainer answer to me. I feel like these are the five match-winning players, if, in each, if any one of them shines in a specific game, you are closer to winning than you ever will be. So those are probably going to be the players that, that are there to look out for. Absolutely. I think uh, for me as well, I think Shaheen, if, we, if he's taking wickets up front, he's going to be deadly. 
uh, if Barbarazam is scoring runs, uh, and, and I think Rizwan is someone who somehow always keeps going under the radar with his performances. Uh, lots of talks on him playing at number four. Does he deserve that position? But he is time and time again proving with his performances that he does belong at number four. So I think Babur, Rizwan, Shaheen um, are A-list players in the PCB contract list. They will be the ones who will make a, a great impact for Pakistan in the World Cup. Um, and the last question is from Ali Adams on Twitter. Why do you think Babur has not performed for Pakistan in big tournament games like the T20 World Cups and Asia Cups? Is it a lack of ability or a lack of mental strength? I mean, he did perform in the semifinal, if I'm not mistaken, in 2022. He did perform against India in 2021. He was the highest run scorer of that T20 World Cup. Yeah, so I mean, it's not fair to say that he's never shown up. I do see that criticism a lot. I think we made a similar criticism for him as well. And then I went back, did some more research, and I was like, maybe I was a bit too harsh saying that, or maybe we were a bit too harsh relaying that message to our fans. I think whatever has happened, he has realized that that is a criticism that's being that's raised against him. He's going to show up this tournament. There are going to be do and die situations. There are going to be matches that are going to be um, basically make or break. And you will see a determined, belligerent, devoted Babarazm show up and score big runs and big matches. And that, that's just that's going to be the, the scenario. I, I predict this because I've, I've, have you noticed the fire in Babarazm's eyes lately? This is one determined human, human being. This is one absolutely focused individual he is seeing red everywhere he goes he does not care about Hyderabad. he doesn't care about the warm welcome he's given all of his pr away he just wants to be there in the ground in the middle of the pitch he wants to score runs he wants to lead his team from the front there is no other way for him i loved what he said in the press conference he said top four that's too low for me i'm here to get take it all and that's the barbarism that we're seeing this is the first time we're seeing a determined and bloodthirsty barbarism I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. I'm, I'm telling you, when he steps into that field against the first game against Netherlands and against India and against the top five teams, it's going to be a bloodthirsty bobber. He doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to see a 50 ball 30 anymore. He wants a 50 ball 70. And I feel that from him. It's just a matter of time before he, if he shows up. If Pakistan make it to the semifinals and the finals, big runs are coming. Damn, bro. Goosebumps. I could not have said it any better. Uh, thank you for putting it in those words. I'm just being honest, man. How are you for time? We're good. Uh, we're, we're good. We're crossed almost um, nearing 50 minutes. Not our longest podcast by any stretch, but we're, do- we're doing well. Okay, I think we should wrap it up with a few of the general questions that we got again. Just um, we talked about it in the last episode, but uh, top four finalists and winners. Do you want to just repeat of what you said? Yeah, I said India, Pakistan, England, and Australia. And I said that uh, England and Pakistan will go through to the finals with Pakistan to win. I think it's going to be a repeat of the 92 final i think it's going to be a revenge from Barber and co for the 2022 final against england in the t20 world cup i think uh, lots of scores will be settled i think that's going to be a, a redemption for the 2011 semi-final against indian mohali as well i think a lot of scores have to be settled and i think Barber Azam and co will do it yeah i think just uh, my predictions were india england australia and pakistan um, I said a tie between Pakistan and New Zealand, but I think Pakistan might qualify ahead of New Zealand. Um, and I said uh, India versus England final with England to win. Just when I was in the shower today, I was thinking, am I or are we underrating South Africa? But then I thought about how they have not made up any knockout stage of the ICC tournaments. 
in the last eight years. So the last time they were in a semifinal of a World Cup or any ICC event was the 2015 ODI World Cup. So every time South Africa looks a great team on paper, like they look like they'll just ram, like ram through uh, teams, but they find ways to crumble, implode, um, and just not make it to the playoffs. So I think just looking back, maybe we have made the right call by not considering South Africa as one of the dangerous teams. Yes, they might beat a few big teams here and there, but I just don't see them being part of the top four. Um, just a last question. This is from me, but also I saw this question by someone in our Instagram. What do you think is going to happen if Barbara Azam does not lead this Pakistan team to a semifinal, to a World Cup win? Do you think that the Pakistan Cricket Board will take the captaincy away from Barbara Azam? If yes, do we have a replacement? I think that's going to happen. I think uh, if Babur doesn't perform or Babur's side doesn't perform, at least at least to a semifinal, and if they get crushed in the semifinal, then it's still the same answer. I think yes. But if they lose, like you know, in a in a way that was against Sri Lanka in the Asia Cup, you know, they're winning, losing, winning, losing. What I'm saying is, if they give a tough fight and they lose by just a better team, uh, then that's a different scenario. But if Babur and Kodo make it to semifinals, finals. Barbara is being sacked, and I feel like we're going to be thrown back into the Azhar Ali era of captaincy, where it's going to be whoever's head fits, give it to him. Who, whose head fits? Shaheen's head fits, you know. Uh, but I don't know if Shaheen's health and his injury reports are such that I don't even know if he's going to be able to play a full season of cricket. So I don't know if he's the right bet. He is aggressive. He is someone that uh, the PCB has looked towards. Uh, you know, the Afghanistan series was one one series where Shaheen was offered the captaincy, which which he rightfully resigned and said, no, I'm not going to take it. And it was given to Shadab. Um, Shadab is definitely up up for grabs. He's but his performances himself. But his performance, been. again, his it's question itself. So I don't know. Maybe Rizwan, but I don't think he's interested. And he's very mellow and uh, under-aggressive. I don't think he's, he'll be a good captain if, if given the chance. So, I don't know. Lots of candidates, actually. This is the first time that there are actually candidates for Babar Azam's position. But I think it'll, it'll be a disaster. I think the next two years are going to look very cautious and very um, just sad because Babar Azam is going to play in the team. It's not like the Virat Kohli situation where Virat Kohli, when he was stripped from the captaincy, he was immediately given a Rohit Sharma and he was the next best fit. It's not like that. We don't have a Rohit Sharma in the team right now. We thought it was Shadab and then Shadab's past three months happened. So Shadab is sort of like, oh, maybe not. Um, Shaheen might be one. And it'll actually might might be a good change to have a fast bowling captain after like Wasim Akram almost seems like. Maybe it is actually after Wasim Akram. But his injuries and his fitness is, is questionable. He wants to play all the games, but can he play all the games? At most, we'll definitely see a change in the T20 captains. I think that'll be the first one to go for Bobber because the T20 World Cup is around the corner and they want to start rebuilding. So... It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a sad day for Pakistan cricket, but we're very, very far behind that right now. I think it's, it's too soon to say any of that stuff. I think we might see a bounce back from Pakistan. We might see even a final disappearance. I'm, I'm very committed to this. You know, since when have we as Pakistan fans started demanding cups and trophies? Uh, because our past has shown us that we were just a team that is sort of there to participate in ICC tournaments. Uh, starting from the 2013 Champions Trophy, 2014 T20 World Cup, 2015 ODI World Cup, 2016 T20 World Cup, so on and so forth. 
18. We've, yeah. we, we've been out of the first round. I think 19 was the first time where we thought, hey, maybe we can make it to the semis. And we almost did if we didn't like screw up the West Indies game and the Sri Lanka game didn't get rained out. And then the last two uh, T20 World Cups, we were the semis and the finals. So getting one step closer. But um, we were determined. Like the last two times when we didn't win or get to the finals, we were disappointed. And it's only because of Baba and Co that have sort of raised expectations, played so superbly well in the past three or four years that we've sort of started to believe again. So yeah, that's why the Baba and Co are so under pressure is because they're good. They're, they're good. They're a good team. They're a great team. I think they've changed the mindset of the players. There were some people in our DM saying that they stopped watching cricket and it's because of Bob Razov and team that they've started to watch cricket again. These are people who were so disheartened and disappointed by the whole Mizbah white ball era, the Hazarali era. Um, and Bob Razov has sort of rekindled those fans um, and changed the conversation about what happens post-Pakistan losing. I think back when I was a teenager, the question was, did the Pakistan team fix the match? Who's involved? Did they lose on purpose? Or is there a lobby in the team? You know, are, there, are there groups involved? <laughs> yeah. But now we're talking about stats. We're talking about matchups and strike rates and averages, which I think is a massive shift in the whole mindset of the players and the fans around the world. I feel like some people are still trying to um, reimagine those memories or sort of retransmit those feelings back with the whole Shaheen lobby. Shaheen is crossed with Babad and... Those are all rumors. That's why we never like really talk about it on our podcast. Our podcast isn't clickbait. It's not about hearsay. But those things do, you hear them sprawl up. You know, the Friendship 11 is one thing that comes up a lot. I don't buy into that rhetoric. That's not something that this podcast ever discusses. I don't think we talk about it even off camera that much. But that's definitely something that's uh, they're trying to brew up. All I want to say before we wrap up and, and we move on is that this is not that case. These are te- this, this is a team that's backed with numbers with stats, uh, with performances. Um, they are definitely favorites, and it should be the case. If you believe in someone, if you support someone, if you have the 100% faith that that person will show up for you in matches that count, you need to put yourself behind that. You need to put your weight behind that person. So if that's the type of quote-unquote friendship 11 that they're talking about, then I'm all, I'm all, for, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, that being said, I, f- I feel like this was a really informative Q&A round. Uh, we, got, we hit a lot of different topics. Anything that you wanted to discuss off of the bat? No, I think we just love interacting with the with the community that we have built now. We're so uh, proud of having everybody on board. And thank you for joining, following us on every platform that you are following us. Uh, we'll have more of these sessions going forward. I think we'll try to aim for like at least once a month. Um, and if there's any big events coming up, we'll do it before that. Um, if you want to submit your questions, the best way to do it is to follow us on Instagram at BackwardPointPod. Um, on Twitter at, backward, at point underscore backward. Um, or email us, join the Patreon if you want to ensure your question is definitely answered. Yeah, so the Patreon is the best way to get your questions in. Like, if you definitely want us to answer something, we will either answer it on Patreon or we'll answer it in one of these Q&A questions, sessions. Um, and, you know, the, the Patreon is a great place to build our community. We're also thinking about Discord. If that's something you're interested in, let us know. And if, you know what I really liked about our last uh, podcast? I just told people to comment with the random fish and there was a bunch of fish. I, I'm really excited that people actually go through to the last minute in our podcast so this time i'm gonna say comment with the autumn leaf i think it's september it's october you know a lot of a lot of our listeners are from not pakistan or away from pakistan like expats patriots um so yeah do the do the orange orange leaf i love it i love autumn as well myself um and thank you guys for listening thank you guys for tuning in we've sort surely and slowly building this community 
And uh, we love every single one of you. So thank you very much for joining in and keep yourself safe. Take care. Take care.